If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the Q&A. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now here's the podcast. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 338 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and joined today by, uh, not by Graham McDonald, by one of the, the best MMA journalists out there, one of the nicest guys in the game, one of the most positive guys in the game, uh, Spencer Kite, to talk about uh, a big weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. We're going to talk about the UFC, which actually just went down and recording this right after the UFC. So we're going to talk about that up front. Then we're going to talk about Sinead Kavanagh uh, and Chris Cyborg and maybe some of the rest of the Bellator card and whatever other news is out there. Maybe look forward to next week's card as well. Um, and but before that, let me just tell you to brace yourselves because winter is coming. Uh, what the Game of Thrones writers didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but anyway. Uh, to trim with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for this holiday as well. Manscaped is the ultimate gift and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off of free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. It's the best in the business. Um, this hygiene bundle includes the lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Boxers Travel Kit, and the Liquid Formations. Uh, the lawnmower has uh, waterproof advanced skin safe technology, which reduces cuts and nicks when you shave down below, so there'll be no wed- red wedding situation going on. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. I can also help you whack those nasty weeds. Uh, it has a proprietary skin safe technology to prevent nick snags and tugs. Then we have the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver as well, which are absolutely brilliant. One's a deodorant, one's a toner, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the Crop Mop as well, the ball wipes, absolutely brilliant. I've been using them all the time. I was actually using them last week above Bellator to clean the mics, so they'll do that job as well. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, the f- uh, the foot duster as well is another thing to have. The cologne I've been wearing that recently, it's absolutely fantastic. Why I know Patrick has one as well, and he absolutely loves it. And top of everything, they've thrown in the shed travel bag as well uh, to keep all your goods in it uh, with the Manscaped anti chafing boxer briefs as well. So I got twenty percent off and free shipping. With the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. You might as well make them beautiful. 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com with free shipping as well. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. Right, Spencer. Uh, sorry to put you through all of that there, that old Manscaped. But we'll get right into it anyway. Um, 
we we will start because it, it just happened and I think it's fresh in our mind. So I think it's always a good time to start with it. Uh, Max Holloway versus Jair Rodriguez. And, you know, recently on the podcast, we haven't kind of been like delving straight into uh, fights because I think like sometimes it's more important. And you, you're a good one to talk about this as well because this is kind of what you do with talking about the stories. Maybe not even the stories necessarily behind the fights, but, you know, the... Uh, the stories of the week are the you know the the reason why this fight is happening or why this thing is happening and all this but for this fight i feel like it was one of those ones where i, I was uh, you know i, I kind of put my chuck middenhall hat on me for a second and you know i'm not sure i, I don't think he's doing it as much as he used to but he used to always do his his sunday night or his or his uh his sunday morning uh aftermath and i think dave dial used to do him as well these two great jobs and they're right like the the story of the fight, you know, and I think the story of this fight is such an interesting one. It's the old guard of Max Holloway, even though he's the same age as Yair Rodriguez. It's the young up and comer uh, Yair Rodriguez, even though he's the same age. And yeah, you're doing so well, and kind of proving if he hasn't already proved it, what a, a, a tough motherfucker basically is. And Max Holloway just you know giving everything he could but not quite being able to dominate Yair like he has past people but both of them looking absolutely fantastic and a fight just of the highest caliber you could ever find it how are how are you Spitzer? and what did you think of this <laughs> this magnificent fight I'm wonderful it's always a pleasure to jump on here I muted myself earlier so I didn't wheeze over your manscaped laugh right. or your manscaped read it was I, it was wonderful I appreciate that. You know, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people wouldn't do it so i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> this i mean you you hit it on the head of the like old old guard versus the new guard when they're the same age and and we sort of understand that they're both still very much in the mix but because max has been to that mountaintop and is now not been there for for over a year we sort of look at him in a different way and this did have a little bit of that feel of can max maintain his position he did it wasn't as clean as maybe we thought um i don't know if anybody really actually doubted the heart and overall toughness of yair rodriguez going in but coming away you absolutely can't um I said it during the fight, like watching, watching that 25 minutes and seeing all that Yair is able to do. It really just makes me a little bit sad that he hasn't fought more than four times in the last four years, because there's, there's just no substitute for experience. And it felt like he got hustled into that Frankie Edgar fight. It didn't necessarily break him, but it kind of set him back a little bit. It exposed some holes. And for me, that was the point where I wanted to see him fight every six months, just continue to keep fighting these, these tough guys. And he's certainly been fighting tough competition when he's been in there. But it just feels like we've missed maybe three or four other fights that would have leveled him up those, those couple little steps that he's missing because it's not much. It's not a huge gap between these two, which I think speaks to how talented Yair is, but there's just that little bit that feels like it's missing. And it's the things like understanding his own pace and his own tempo out of the gate. Um, looked great in the first two rounds, but Max Holloway is a guy that can match your pace and do what you're trying to do for 25 minutes. And we know that. And so it felt a little, little bit like that experience advantage is the thing that really put Max over the top in this fight. And then we saw just 
the diversity of his game that we haven't really seen in the last few fights because he's been boxing people up or be, because he's been in striking battles with Alexander Volkanovsky. We, we saw a little more of the wrestling. We saw a little more of the grappling and just another terrific performance for, for blessed. I, yeah, a hundred percent. I, I really like your point there about, uh, about, uh, Yair Rodriguez. Cause it's, it's something, you know, that obviously covering the Irish fighters coming up here, we talk an awful lot about how fighters should progress their careers. And, you know, it's maybe not a thing we talk about of the, what is he, number three ranked UFC featherweight, but it absolutely is a thing. And it's it's right, like, if he had this fight six months ago, or maybe a year ago, and he had this fight now again, the exact same fight, would he have done better in this fight because of that one? Probably. You know, he probably would have. He needed the experience of this fight to win this fight, uh, which is which is an odd thing to say, I suppose, but maybe it'll stand uh, stand to him in, in, uh, in the future. But I, I would agree with you as well. I feel like... There was a while there where Yair Rodriguez was kind of the poster boy for what happens to you when you stand up to the UFC. Remember they kind of, they cut him at one stage and then they brought him back. And then, uh, you know, the, the Frankie Edgar match, I think, was before that. And I remember there was a big row going on with different people. It's like, well, he took the Frankie Edgar fight. Now you want to throw him to the wolves again. Should he not choose who he fights next to take maybe a little step back so he can take a few steps forward? And I think... Like, okay, injuries and different things have, have hurt Yair Rodriguez as well. But one thing I really I really saw tonight, I feel like, was a lot of guys, right, they go away and you don't see him for a year, you don't see him for two years, and they come back, you know, and they're either, you know, maybe the same fighter or they do a good job, they get into a great camp and look good, or they look a lot worse. I thought Yair Rodriguez looked better today than he's ever looked before. I thought he looked absolutely fantastic. And imagine the amount of work that he has done in the gym or in the practice room. Imagine if that was put up with another few fights where we'd be at that stage. That That, that is kind of the crux of what you were saying, isn't it? And Yeah, and that's it, right? Like it was 18 months between the Frankie Edgar fight and then he comes back and does what he did to the Korean zombie at the end of that fight which was now three years ago. Like we're, we're, and the only things that happened in between were the two Jeremy Stevens fights, one of which took 15 seconds. And there was two years since that last one. And, and yes, he has been in the gym. He has been training. We know all of that. He has a good team. He works with good people. We've seen, as you said, we saw some of that progress. We saw some of that development and improvement in the cage tonight. But it's different when you're in there against, like he went from fighting Jeremy Stevens, who was a stalwart of the division and, and still is a guy that's hanging around the UFC in a tough out to fighting the number one contender after a two year hiatus and looked that good. Imagine if, and I don't mean it as a tune up fight in the sense of like whoever else they put him in there with was, would be some nobody. But like if they put him in there, if he had been in there with, a Danny Gay or a Josh Emmett or Shane Burgos earlier in the year where he gets to kind of shake out that two years of rust. And obviously he's dealt with some COVID issues over the last year. And as you said as well, injuries at different times, but I just feel like if he's in there and he's getting that experience of being in there with really quality fighters and logging those, those rounds that you just need to, you just need to have, right. We say it, as you said, for these prospects coming up, that this is what they need. They need this experience. It doesn't stop. There's not a point to me where that kind of just cuts off, where you, 
you maybe don't necessarily get demonstratively better, but you learn things as you get older and, and you understand your body a little more, you learn some stuff about yourself and how to pace yourself and how to fight and what little things you can do. And, and there's no substitute for being in the cage to learning those things. And I think that's the, the one piece that as great as Yair Rodriguez is, is the piece for me that's just missing is that like, I don't want it to be another two years before I see him again. I really hope that his foot isn't terribly broken and we can see him inside of eight months because if not, it's not that he loses ground, but it just feels like that momentum never carries over from for him. And he's always kind of starting from a dead stop. This was a hell of a fight from a dead stop, but imagine what it looks like if he comes back in nine months and he fights one of those guys in the top 10 mm -hmm. and has a great performance and then builds and just, Kind of as he did when he got to the UFC, right? He was fighting every six months and you saw the progression and you saw the evolution and continuing to climb that ladder, looking great and earning the Frankie Edgar fight. And so if, if we can keep him active and he can, you know, re remain in the game and remain in the fray, then, then he's a guy that just adds so much more depth and so much more talent to this already impressive collection at featherweight. Yeah, and, and all you have to look at, really, for that example is across the cage from him tonight, you know? Mm -hmm. Max Holloway was that guy. He was the guy that came into the UFC maybe a little bit early, had tough matchups, built his way back up, even, you know, f from before the McGregor fight to the McGregor fight to after the McGregor fight. It was, it, it's exactly what kind of Yaira needs. But to, to kind of look at the fight tonight, maybe rather than uh, the the uh, the exterior of Yair <laughs> totally, I think... Do you know what? And you said the words, he isn't far off. He he really is not far off. He that really fight, isn't. That fight was razor close, I thought. Like, there was there was one point in the fight where I thought, right, Max Holloway is kind of pulling away a little bit. Or Yair maybe isn't as much in the fight as he should be. And that was kind of like the last two minutes of the fourth. And I thought he won the fifth. <laughs> so, like, it was it was very short-lived. Uh, like, I, I scored the first for Max Holloway, and I, I got a litany of abuse on, on Twitter because of it. But I think uh, I think most people didn't. And the opposite then for the second. I scored the second for Yair, and I think most people scored for Max. But whoever you scored it for, and you could 100% disagree with me. Look, I could be wrong. I could go back and watch it, and I disagree with myself. I thought they were close round, both of them really, really fucking close either way. And I've no problem with you scoring it the opposite to me. But I think most people kind of had it 1-1 after the, that. Then Max, like the third, got the back mount. He he landed a lot of shots. But it, it was one of those ones where Yair did really well. He was defending, still in the, in the fight, found himself in really tough positions. But I thought when Max got on top in the fourth, Yair did kind of land... Uh, got out of it for some times, you know, uh, got out of some positions and did well in some positions, but there was a point where, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, this should be stopped or this is going to be stopped. It's that Max is going to kind of run away with this now. But when, you know, right, yeah, you're, he just really stepped on the gas, I thought, in the fifth and did really well. Did land on the bottom. Max was winning on, on the field, I thought. But Yair reversed it. He got on top and he landed a lot of shots in that last minute. And, you know, I think things we can take if we're looking forward, like we spoke about earlier, um, the end of this fight and the end of the Korean zombie fight, he's still fighting. You know, for a guy who has a very high um, output, not output is the wrong word, but high kind of high intensity output, if you want to put it that way, with the big kicks and everything like that, for a guy like that to still be able to keep going late is an, is an almighty sign, is an absolutely huge sign. And look, 
if uh, a, a lot of people, okay, a lot of people think Yair walked away with the, the first round, right? Let's say he did. Let's say he won. I uh, Let's say I edged him and you everyone gave it to him. And I don't think anyone can argue the second wasn't close. Let, let's say Yair won the second, right? And I thought he won the fifth. Yeah. Did, did he, could, he could, like, there is an explainable scorecard, even if you take away my craziness of judging in the first, right? Where Yair, where Yair Rodriguez wins the fight. I, like, I can actually see that. I can see it. So he, this, wasn't, he wasn't too far away at all. This may have been a case where Yair Rodriguez tonight beats literally everyone else in that division, save for Max and Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, definitely. Yes, like yes. that kind of performance, right? Like that type of effort. If he goes out there and he puts that kind of effort on Brian Ortega, he's probably winning. We've already seen him do it against Chan Sung Jung. We saw Max do something similar against Calvin Cater earlier in the year. And so down below that, maybe you look, you look at a guy like Giga Chikadze, of course, who is on a terrific role and believes he's the best striker in the division and, and can just beat absolutely anybody. And we'll see about that when he gets some of these opportunities. But this may have just been a case of you're in the cage with one of two guys that is going to beat you tonight. And you just so happen to be stuck in there with them. And so to me, it's, it's one of the things I try to talk about with these athletes when I get to them after a loss or, you know, a couple of tough moments or there's a spot in a fight where they get down on themselves or they get knocked down. It's like, you need, like, you need to understand like, yes, it sucks to lose. Nobody likes it, but like, there's a huge positive in here. And it's that you went 25 minutes with one of two men that could beat you. And it was pretty close. And as you said, you could make a case if you if you want to argue it, it's there to be argued that he maybe wins that fight. You look at it a little differently or you score it one round differently here. And so to me, that's it's net positive, right? Like it's it's overall just gains for Yair Rodriguez because it is coming off a two year hiatus to just walk back out there and have that. And so it sucks to lose and, and you hate to see him walk away with a busted up foot. It looks like, but this is overall a tremendous performance. And then there's, you know, and then there's Max Holloway who yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's any more superlatives. superlatives. <laughs> we'll have to get the back. I remember a friend of mine told me once, you won't, you won't understand this. And I bet the vast majority of people won't understand it, but I gotta say it anyway. There's a friend of mine here from, uh, he's from Kerry, right? And Ke- Kerry are known for like being the best football team in Ireland of all time up until maybe last few years. But uh, I was always on my, you know, I am a great Limerick supporter. I was like, oh, when are we going to win the All-Ireland? When are we going to win the All-Ireland? And uh, he said, maybe think about winning a Munster first before you win the All-Ireland. And you know, that's like the halfway point there, kind of. I, I feel like, I, I feel like, yeah, you're lost tonight. But I feel like he won Monster. You know, <laughs> maybe it'll be the All Ireland yeah. in a few years. And I like as well. I, I it's funny. Myself and Ian did a podcast which should be out next week, and we're actually going to talk about it here later on as well. Maybe a little bit. Misha Tate. You look at Misha Tate, right? The second best in the world for years. And then yes. at one stage, she becomes the best in the world. You know, okay, you could argue he's the, the third. Maybe four, if you bring AJ McKee or Pete, Patricio into it as well, maybe he's the fourth, fifth best in the world. But he's he's right up there. Tonight, he proved that. But for someone that young in the game, and, and you know, I know he's the same age as Max Holloway, but young in the game is different to young in age, I think. Um, I think there's a lot still for him to do and a lot of places for him to go. And if he hangs in there and he keeps improving and does get more fights, I don't think it... Uh, I don't think it's the end of the road by any means for Yair Rodriguez. But Max, let's let's transition to Max for a while because we we, we kind of have to talk about uh about Max Holloway here as well. Um, 
I think Dan Tom put it up on Twitter and he was like, he didn't look great uh, walking in. He didn't look great in the interview. I think, I look, to me, it looked like a hard way cut. looked like a very hard way cut. I didn't think he fought as well as he has fought, you know? And it's not easy to keep up that ability and it's not easy to fight someone like Yair Rodriguez either. I didn't think it was his best performance. And you know what? It's weird. The last few UFCs, and I don't know what the reason is, but I feel like a lot of people have been slightly off. Usman, I thought he was a lot off against Colby. And now it's tough matchups and everything like that as well. But there, there is definitely something. Make, take, make no mistake about it. A phenomenal performance from Max Holloway. A great win by Max Holloway. But even, you know, someone like Max Holloway, they can fight at maybe 75% and still be one of the best fighters in the world. But I thought he was a little bit off. What did you think? No, I did as well. And, and I think it's an... I think it's probably a number of factors. I do think that the weight cut is probably part of it. I, th- I mean, I know just for me in the last two years, I've been off for the last two years because we've been in pandemic situations and quarantine situations. And I wonder how much that is starting to really impact people in terms of their prep and in terms of, you know, just being able to live the life that you live day to day normally. Obviously, we've had guys like Dan Hooker and and Israel talk a lot about everything that's happening in New Zealand and Australia and some of those challenges. And I wonder if those things are starting to really kind of hit a few different people and we're starting to see it. The other part is this was six straight 25 minute fights. Like that starts to take, (laughs) that starts to take a toll. Right. And as great as he's looked in literally all of those fights, even though he's three and three in those six fights, it's just a lot. It has been a lot for Max Holloway for the last, you know, seven years that he's been on this, this run of, of starting it, starting his winning streak and moving to the top of the division and now being, you know, this guy that's, that's fighting main event fights every time out and fighting world-class talents every time out. That stuff starts to take an accumulation and you start to wear that a little. And so, I agree this was a, a not quite full version of Max, I guess. Not quite what we saw on Fight Island. Not quite what we saw in, in some of those other dynamic performances. But still pretty damn good. Like, just to be able to with... The, the other thing that I thought throughout that fight is just his ability to wear damage and weather damage. Like, Insane. It's those calf kicks. Most mm. guys are probably you know, struggling to stand or shaking it out or whatever. There's no way that it doesn't hurt like a mother right now. Yeah. That's, why you I, hit a, that's why I gave him round one as well. I just think yeah. like the, the effect of the shots that he was landing were yeah. uh, not just in necessarily in round one, but throughout the first while were more than the effect yes. that he was taking in. You know, that his shots might not have been as hard, but the impact was way harder than the impact right. he took because he could eat them so well. And that, that's well, the thing. That's how MMA scored. Like, but he's just, and I mean, that's monster. another part. That's another part of it too, right? With, with these guys that he's facing, and I'm sure you've talked to athletes about it over the years, you land these great shots. Like, Yair hit him with some terrific shots in those first two rounds. It doesn't show any visible damage. It doesn't show any visible impact. And he just keeps coming forward at you. That is demoralizing. Even if it's just for that split second after you land it, where you think, I got him. And he just, there's no reaction. And he just keeps coming forward at you. He doesn't look marked up. He doesn't, by the end of it, obviously, cut above the eyebrow and 
and looked a little worse for wear. But most of the time, Max isn't the guy that that looks beat up, that, that looks like he's been in a in a brawl and in a big, long, protracted fight. And that's just like another part of the mystique of this guy and another part of the impressiveness of this guy is that he goes out there and has these fights where they're setting records for the most significant strikes thrown. Usually he's doling out most of them, but he's taken a lot of punishment over the years but he doesn't look any different for it. And, and you get a guy, mm-hmm. the contrast with Yair, right? Who is someone that does mark up, that does swell up, that does get busted up. And it just looks so different. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me, really, what Max Holloway has been doing for these last bunch of years. And I think, I, I hope a few years from now when he's slowed down mm-hmm. or maybe moved on, we kind of go back and revisit it the same that we need to go back and revisit what Dustin Poirier is doing right now. The same as we need to go back and revisit what Connor did when he arrived in his March to the being the first champ champ. Like we're in this incredible moment in this sport where we're seeing such incredible athletes and just the best fights and fighters we've seen ever. Yeah. And I think it gets lost a little bit because we're so used to seeing it, right? And there's too many fights. So many great fights now that it's just like, oh hum, he looked okay. He beat no this if if this was a fight that we if we hadn't seen so many great Max Holloway performances lately, we'd be all over this one. But instead it feels a little bit humdrum because it's not quite as good as some of those absolute monster performances. But it's it's also like I'm sure you were the same as me 10 years ago. You could tell me the last, you know, eight John Jones fights in a row or the last eight Shogun Hua fights or whatever, and the round they won. And like, I, I couldn't tell you. I could, you know, I could probably pull out maybe the last five or six Max Holloway fights or maybe four or five of them. But it's but like, it's it's just a thing now in MMA that doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible to uh, naturally look at a person's progression in their career unless you're like come like unless you're me with irish mma fighters or something like that where we're non-stop paying attention to them all the time you know it's it's impossible to non-stop pay attention to max holloway all the time because you know why in in a few weeks time we're gonna have cyril Gagne, we're gonna have francis ingano and then we might have john jones and you know then we're gonna have amanda nunes and we're gonna have um dustin party we're gonna have we're gonna have everyone so it's impossible and I, you're right we need to go back and do it. Like we've we've done. A, I think you've done a couple of shows with me, the career retrospectives, where you go yes. back and look at people. Maybe, maybe we'll even do a few more. Now I know we've talked about it, but um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. It's a special time, and it's it's a pity that these special fights are kind of sometimes getting eaten up by fights that are not special, you know, because that definitely does happen. There's just there's just so much, but. Uh, let's let's park that for a second, and we will park even the UFC for a second as well, because I want to talk about uh, Chris Cyborg versus Sinead Cavanaugh. You know, Chris Cyborg is another one who is on a, who is on a special run, and we're going to talk about we talk about one main event, we talk about the other main event, and then we go through bits and pieces of uh, of the undercards after that as well, because I have to I have to kind of start off the top with, with Sinead as well, obviously being a, an Irish woman, this being an Irish MMA podcast, um, it, in a strange way, right? Tonight we watched we watched Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez, and I thought Yair Rodriguez, for the most fu- part, fought the right fight against Max Holloway. You know, came out, <laughs> tried to land his stuff, tried to do his things, and it didn't work out for him, right? And the weird thing, even though it only lasted ninety two seconds, I think Sinead Cavanaugh did, did did the exact same. She did the yeah. right. I think she did. Like, how are you going to beat Chris Cyborg, right? Are you going to? 
bring her five rounds, push the pace, and outbox her all night without her landing big shots or taking you down or winning a jiu-jitsu match or anything like that. Pro- very unlikely. <laughs> very unlikely. Can you draw right. her into a war, catch her with a few shots and knock her out? Very unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. That, that's your much better, that's your better chance. Yeah, it's, look, both, both ways, right, you're, you're probably going to get knocked out or submitted. Both, both ways, without a shadow of a doubt. But I think Sinead Kavanaugh went out there and, they, you know, she promised and uh, she spoke to me and she spoke to other people. And she did scrums and she promised every single person that she was going to go not be afraid and throw her shots. And by fucking God, did she? Now, you can call me biased. I don't give a fuck. You could say I'm Irish and I'm, you know, they kiss it up to the Irish people. That's what she did, right? That's exactly what she did. And it did, look, it didn't work out for her. She landed some shots on Cyborg. But the, the problem was, like... Like Max Holloway and Yair tonight, the effect of one person's strikes against the effect <laughs> of the other person's strikes were just right. humongous in the difference. And that was that was the, the, the finishing of it. But like I, I have great respect for someone who does that. Like such you know some fights you'll be watching. Like the Colby Covington fight last week. I watched it like not for one second of that until about the fourth round. And I include the first fight in that. Did Colby Covington fight his fight? Did he fight the right fight? Did he fight the winning fight? And I was like, it's all so frustrating. There wasn't a second of this where I was frustrated by Sinead Kavanaugh, you know, watching it. I was like, <laughs> you're going out there and you're trying to win this fucking fight. Okay, you lost. N- not everyone right. wins. It's tough to win them all. But you went out there and, and gave it all. I'm sure you've talked to fighters over the years who have been in matchups like this, who, you know, they're a minus 10,000 favorite, whoever it might be. And they go in and they wilt and they throw it away. But others didn't. They go in and they, they rise to the occasion. Look, some of them might win, but so, um, some of them just go in there and they do all the right things and still come up short. It, I have a great amount of respect for all sorts of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, chances are you're losing to Chris Cyborg. No matter who, like, no matter how it plays out, there's a very high likelihood that if you are fighting for that Bellator featherweight title, you are losing because she is that damn good. She is that damn powerful. And so is it better to go out there and kind of, you know, stick and move and stay on the outside? And I saw somebody tweet out the like, John Kavanaugh needed to give Sinead the same advice he gave Johnny Walker of stay on the outside and don't engage in your feints will win you the fight. And like, sure, maybe, but more power to her for going out there and, and getting in Chris's face and, and trying to take the fight to her. And it was one of those situations, as you said, where the impact is just different and the technique and the polish of it all is just different because the finishing blow or the blow that put Sinead down is just a right hand down the pipe when her when she's throwing a left hook. Cyborg's just quicker, more experienced, more powerful, and she connects with the right shot, and that's it. But I would rather see Sinead go out there and, and fight that same fight a hundred times out of a hundred than try to be super technical and be somebody that she isn't. Because as you said, with Colby in, in the first probably eight rounds of his, of his fights with Usman and so many other people, right. They go out there and it's, it's not, you can tell it's not necessarily who they are and, and fighting the way that they want to fight or that they know they need to fight in order to win. It's almost fighting for self-preservation which is fine and understandable, but then you can't knock somebody like Sinead for going out there and, and fighting the way she did, the way she is, 
the way she would fight anybody and taking a loss in 92 seconds. Yeah. Do you know one thing as well? And I, 100%. One thing that's very frustrating, and I guarantee you, you probably feel this more than me, it's that, you know, sometimes you hear a fighter's story or you know a fighter's background and you know what they are as a person and what they are as a fighter and then they have a fight. And then, you know, people get online or even journalists that they, they tweet out something, they say something, and it's just not reflective of what the person <laughs> is. And like that, yeah. to me, as someone like Sinead Kavanagh, I, she's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. You know, she she was homeless. She she won five national boxing championships when she was homeless. She, you know, she uh, she could have got caught up in drugs. She could have done done anything. She could, and she like rose herself out of this and got you know fantastic boxer, fantastic MMA fighter, got right to a title fight. And all of that, like I found a video of her from ten years ago trying to get to the Olympics. I imagine how many years before that she was training in boxing, all to get to here, and it, it ends in like, ah, oh, she's rubbish, you know. And that, it's it's so it's, annoying. And I, like I do it, I guarantee you, I do it for people I don't know either. And <laughs> you're and yourself first, say maybe likes a James Lynch or other people who talk to these people and know their <laughs> stories are probably saying that fucking Sean Jean is an idiot. And then I, uh, it's it's I'm just gonna try not it's to do hard. it from now on. It's yeah, you must it's, feel that all the time, do you? It it's hard. I I I mean it's it's been ten years now as it posted the other day of of writing at UFC.com, um, and it's just. I I try my best to not make any like this person is trash. This person is because to me, there's, there's ways of assessing things without making it like that, like going into this event and, and we'll get back to it. We're going into this event Saturday. I said, I just don't really have a feel for Cynthia Calvillo who feels like she's kind of gets by on reputation. And I'm not sure where the reputation was earned and I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just trying to like, that's just correct. Ex- like, yeah. I'm just trying to express like what it is I'm trying to think and what it is, why I'm confused about this person. And I think we get so caught up at times or people get so caught up in times of everything is broken down to you're the absolute best you're fine or you're garbage. And there's so many different degrees and gradations in there that we don't spend time on. And we're just, we're just so pass fail and we're so good, bad and, and not appreciative of, you know, elite. We, we, we don't use enough words, I guess, to describe some of these people. And, and we're so quick to pass people off because they lose to a Chris Cyborg, which is like, all right, literally everyone except for Amanda Nunes has lost to Chris Cyborg um, in the last 14, 15, 18 years, whatever it's been since her debut. And so is there, you know, is there reason to to pile on Sinead the way people probably are or the way people probably have some of these other opponents over the years? I don't think so. I don't think there's any need for it at all in this sport in general, because I think we can speak honestly and, and truthfully about these athletes without it being harsh to the point of, of being an asshole. Like there's ways to be critical. And I think we've lost that. I think we've gone from just being, being able to accept and be critical to being judgmental assholes more than anything else. Yeah, and, and, and that, I, and that I'm, I'm feels terrible. like the part where we're missed. <laughs> I, I'm terrible for it. I won't lie. I called Chino Vera a journeyman last week and a lot of people get out of it. <laughs> See, but journeyman, journeyman is yeah. a word, like, 
journeyman was, I, I use it all the time i talk about it with it's a my in mma isn't it my yeah i talk about it all the time with my editor at ufc.com tom jabasi who congratulations going into the women's international boxing hall of fame next year shout out to tg he is phenomenal but like people don't understand what a journeyman is like it is not a derisive term yeah neither is gatekeeper to me like absolutely no but but we throw it around like it's this it's this title that you shouldn't be saddling on somebody. And it's like, well, if we call everybody a contender that had, then that holds no value and it diminishes everyone that is an actual contender. So if we could all just, you know, put on our big boy and big girl pants and, and understand that there's degrees to this and we're not trying to be mean and we're not slandering people, but these are the ways that you can describe them then we'll be better off. Yeah. I, I, someone described it to me once is it's, it's easy to tell the difference between a journeyman and a can, right? And, right. and, and that's it. Like to me, Joe Lozon, you couldn't in a, a world ever call him a can, but could you call him like a contender? Maybe, maybe at one stage of his career, never a champion, never, yeah. a, never a challenger. I would, I would call him a journeyman. Like, and that's, yep. that, that's uh, the people probably got insane. Listen to this. But there's nothing wrong with that. He's a great fighter. No. Great respect for him. One of the most exactly. uh, you know, best fighters I've ever seen. I, I, I love watching him. But uh, anyway, well, that's, that's yeah. uh, I don't no, know. I agree. Today, but, I agree 100%. Uh, anyway, I suppose last word on Sinead Kavanaugh and Chris Cyborg. Look, Chris Cyborg, another great win. And we will, I'll actually throw, talk about her again in a second. But on, on Sinead, like, I just feel like uh, her... I don't think it's the end for Sinead either. You know, I, I feel like she is still pretty inexperienced, sorry, inexperienced in her career. She's only 12 fights in. You know, that 7-5 and five record, there's probably only two of those actual real losses. She was robbed blind against Leslie Smith. Um, there was cuts and different things as well. So her record is kind of a bit deceiving, but I'd like to see her get a few more fights. You know, Cyborg won't be there forever. Where's... Where's Kayla Harrison going to be? Where's Amanda Nunes going to be? Where's Ibar going to be? It's, it's you know, I, I would stick in there if I was her and keep going and keep at it because there's lots of wins and there's lots of big fights. I think the best could be still to come from Sinead if she sticks with it, but we will we will see on that and it's always great to see her on. But for Chris Ibar, I, I suppose briefly, what do you think is going to happen? I think a lot, like a lot of people are saying, you know, Kayla Harrison to Bellator, that's a big fight. I, which, I look, I'd love to see that fight. Absolutely. It's probably the second fight I would pick for Kayla Harrison. But the first fight I would pick is Amanda Nunes. And if you if I don't get that, I've got to be a bit sad. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, that's sort of the boat I'm in. It's, it's always interesting to me to kind of watch the parallels, seeing these champions in Bellator fight and earn these big victories. And, and look, not to take anything away from Sinead, who I agree with you is, is still got some years ahead of her tough as nails. Certainly didn't expect her to do very much against Chris Cyborg. And yet when Cyborg goes out and has a monstrous performance like that, everyone seems to just go over the moon about what a tremendous performance. And she's so great. And yet, you know, if, if a UFC champion, some of these UFC women's champions, Valentina Shevchenko goes out and, and trucks whoever she's trucked the last time and people go, ah, but it's, you know, the, what kind of competition is she facing? Well, she's facing world-class competition and former champions. So let's, let's be even and, and consistent with the way we're grading these things out. But Cyborg's in that spot that she, she kind of always gets into, right? Outside of the UFC, this is where she always gets. She is head and shoulders better than everybody else. There aren't any 
current names in that promotion that make sense, that are interesting. I'm in the same boat as you with the Kayla Harrison thing. If they can get the deal done and they can get her over there, I, Kayla doesn't even, we don't need a warm up. We don't need anything. Just put them in the cage and let's see it. We'd probably end up getting a warm up just so that Bellator can, can get a Bellator highlight for Kayla Harrison. But I, I mean, I really, I understand why Chris Cyborg isn't in the UFC. I understand why she didn't want to be back there. I really wish she was still there because I'd love to see that fight again. I'd really love to see her fight some of, like, I'd like to see her fight Felicia Spencer again. There's, there's just some opportunities that I would love to see. I think that division, the, the women's featherweight division, is maybe the only one in the sport that I really wish desperately was unified. Like everybody was together. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to just pool everybody that competes into one organization or, or that, you know, cross promotion was a thing, but like in terms of a shallow division where you give me 10 fighters and I, and I'd be pretty pumped. Like you give me 10 or 12 fighters in that division and we can make some fun fights and I'd love to see them. And the top would be, terrific and i would love to see all of those people fight each other but right now with with chris it's just sort of the like we get to see her post highlights and it's great she's phenomenal i say it all the time you want to let me watch a dominant fighter be dominant i'm in i will pay attention i love it she's terrific but it's also a foregone conclusion every time she steps into the cage now and and that takes a little bit of the shine off of it uh, the uh, the cards have just come out. Uh, Max Holloway versus Jair Rodriguez. Two judges scored the first round for Max Holloway. I've never felt so vindicated <laughs> in my whole life. The amount of honestly, I I don't think I've ever gotten more abuse for that <laughs> first round than any round ever. Like there are the, the litany of abuse. One judge as well scored the second for Jair. Which, like, the point we were talking about earlier on was absolutely true. All three judges scored a fifth round for Yair. Yair yep. could have won this fight, you know? Yair he, run three separate rounds on, on uh, the judges' cards. So, yeah. Yep. He, it's, it was a, a closer fight than, uh, than made out. But anyway, um, let's move on to uh, to some of the other fights. I'll run quickly through Bellator. I know you didn't see uh, all of Bellator, so I will, I will pick out a few things here. I'll go from bottom to the top. Um, Ethan Hughes, what a, a fantastic win for him against uh, Mohamed uh, Sebe, who knows uh, is uh, an Olympic wrestler or something like that. A really, really great win for him there. Um, there are some really good uh, performances on this undercard. Cody Law really stood out for me. He moves to five and all. This guy, this guy is a real, real prospect. Keep an eye on him. Waldo Cortez Acosta as well moves to four and all. Roman Fernaldo got that flying knee KO. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Valerie Red as well. Another thing I got stick for. I said she looked good winning this. I thought she looked good. You know, she's five fights into her career. She's learning. She fought on the outside against someone who was about a foot taller than her, and she kept her away. Taylor Turner, an absolutely horrific performance with, with that sort of lint, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, Loretta, I thought was, you know, I thought I thought she did well, to be honest. Brune Ellen and, and uh, go on. What were we going to say? And well, I was going to say, like, Valerie Loretta is one of those just automatically polarizing people. Like, if you say anything nice, the people that want to just absolutely rip her, for doing her dance afterwards are going to just try to tear you down. And if you say something bad, then the defenders are going to come out. So like you're best off just to ignore it. Just, just don't have anything to say about Valerie Lareda. Yeah. It's, 
it's a very <laughs> it's just stupid yeah it's a very weird one because like uh, i'm not a big one for like the whole instagram stuff and i say <laughs> not i just watch her as a fighter once every three months and i see a prospect coming up like i see all over the world and i think she's a good prospect like she's you know the the those divisions are not that stacked like like if i see a prospect coming through in, in the middle middleweight division in the ufc i think i'm gonna look at him a little bit more closely because that division is fucking trash like so i'm gonna, I'm gonna look at that a little bit more closely right. i think Loretta's level of striking it's very good and her takedown defense is getting a little bit better and her work against the clinch and it's all it's all coming yeah. together a bit now is it going to come together where she is the best fighter in the world I don't know, maybe, probably not. You know, most fighters don't become the best fighter in the world. So, right, so wait and right. let's see. But I think people need to need to calm down a little bit. People, yeah. I, I love the in, way, like in in general, MMA Twitter needs to just <laughs> chill do. the fuck out. But the weirdest thing is like, oh, she dances around, so I'm gonna hate her. But if someone says something level headed and like let's wait and see her like you're only fucking fixated on her arse. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking right. about? I'm just talking about right. her fighting. But anyway, yeah. focus. We leave it at that. Um Steve Mowry, this is a guy who's moved to ten and oh and Rakeem. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or they call uh, Rackham, I think they called him actually. I was calling him Rakim all, all week, but uh, Cleveland. I went back and I watched a good few of his fights. This guy's a good fighter, um, yep. and Maori made easy work of him. He's a he's a real top prospect there in the in the heavyweight division, um, and I wouldn't mind seeing him getting one or two more fights before they put him in there against someone good. I, I you know Bader, I know the inter- is the champion at the moment. There's an interim champion as well. I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, maybe get Bader before they they, they do that uh they do that unification bout, but that's probably not going to happen. But um you know, he is he's a guy at heavyweight, right? Who's not fat, who is big, who's tall, right. who is athletic, who is strong. Right. Very good ground game, which I didn't see much of in the tape I watched, but I saw plenty of it on Friday night. Uh and he's a good striker and all that as well. So he is. Uh, he's definitely one to, to watch out for. Arnie and Blinko and Pam Sorensen, not the greatest fight in the world. Blinko, I think, was the clear favor coming in and won it, won it pretty clearly. Um, Linton Vassell beat Turrell Fortune. Really good performance from Vassell, I thought, against a tough matchup in Fortune. Not the best fight in the world. A split decision. I think that was a bit of an iffy one, even though I gave Fortune as one of my best on the weekend. I didn't think he won that. But uh, Aaron Pico as well. I thought this was Aaron Pico's best ever performance. And in a weird way, I thought it was his best ever performance because he got hit a bunch of times. Yeah. And he was able to take those shots and come through them. And not just like, oh, he's a great chin or anything. But to look comfortable taking shots yep. is a mega part of MMA. You cannot be an MMA fighter and not be comfortable taking shots. I think it's a huge part of mixed martial arts and he proved in this fight that he is able to do it and he's able to come through it. Uh, I don't know if you caught, caught all of this fight or not, but what, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Aaron Pico? I mean, I, I have always thought that Aaron Pico was going to be phenomenal. The, the chin is a thing that you're going to have to worry about and I don't know that you necessarily you know, develop a better chin over years. I think you develop a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of deal with some of those shots and and know how to take those shots a little bit better as you as you said and i think it's super important for him to have a fight like this where he does and he comes away and he stays engaged and there's there's not those moments where you're like oh and now aaron p goes down i think he still has a chance to be really really good i saw a couple people doing the like jackson wink may have their replacement for John Jones and may have their next, like pump the goddamn brakes, like 
hang on. He's, he's still 25. He's got three losses. We've seen him get touched up. Like, can we please remember how good Jonathan Dwight Jones is and was straight out of the gate and right. And how quickly he was doing ridiculous things. Like I think Aaron is, is a hell of a fighter and he's looked so much better since going down there and working with that team and working specifically with six gun Gibson but like, let's not go putting him in the Pantheon level yet when he's beating Justin Gonzalez before he's, you know, let's, let's chill. Like, I think we have these overreactions at times because we want to kind of build some of these guys or validate our, our previous opinions about them and kind of rush them too far because maybe he gets in there the next time he gets in there with somebody that's a little more proven and a little more seasoned. And he gets touched up again and and that's okay. It doesn't, if Aaron Pico never becomes the guy that, you know, he was sold to everybody as being before he made his MMA debut, that's going to be okay. He can still be a pretty good journeyman fighter to use a word we talked about earlier. And I would be okay with that. I think there's an urgency to some people or for some people to make him more than he is. And I just, I hope he gets to continue progressing and showing this development kind of, as we said with Yair off the top of like, just let him keep getting out there every six months and, and see where it gets to organically rather than trying to hustle him into being a contender or a superstar or any of these things that he's not yet. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I like, I, I do the thing on Pico, I think, and I asked him this in the, uh, in the, pre-fight press conference uh that he needs to add maybe a little bit more violence back into his game that he had at the start and i think he did have that this uh this friday which is is very very good and look i'm looking forward to we talked we talked a lot about him but i'm really really looking forward to uh to his progression and seeing where uh, where his career goes for him uh Another person who wanted a lot of violence this week was Herb Dean, who in the co-main event here, Ben Hotwell against Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Like, I assume everyone saw it, right? So, De Lima landed loads of shots on Ben Rotwell, hurt him really badly. Rotwell survived for a minute, you know, and he survived and he survived and he survived. Then he landed a few shots again and Rotwell absolutely didn't survive. Uh, Herb Dean went in to stop it, put his two arms around the boat guys, um, went to stop the fight, then like walked four feet to the left. The <laughs> boat guys kept fighting. Rotwell kind of went to stop the takedown. And Rodrigo de Lima was like, here, what the fuck is going on here? Are you after stopping this or what? I put out his hands and then Herb goes, oh yeah, fuck it. I did stop it actually there like five seconds ago. And then he went in and he yes. actually stopped it. Like there was another uh, fight earlier in the night. I don't know. I look it up now in a second. I'm not sure which one it was where, um, where Herb got someone and he t- took a fucking shitload of strikes extra as well. Herb Dean, right? Just because Joe Rogan says he's the gold standard and he's, <laughs> he's been around for a long time does not mean he is a great ref anymore. As I, I tweeted tonight, if he wasn't on the JRE a few times and if he was Russian, he would be asked to be taken out of the lineup <laughs> more often than anyone. That that guy last week, what Herb Dean has done things as bad as that Russian guy did last week. He absolutely has a three weeks ago, whenever the fuck it was. I I and you know, I Herb look, the thing about Herb, if you have been around for a long time, like him or Big John or Goddard or if, and you make a mistake, look, you've earned that right to make a mistake. Everyone's going to make a mistake. No one is perfect in life. 
But when you make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, and it's not stopping, and you're not getting any better, like there actually hasn't been that many recently out of Herb, but now we're back into it again, and there's been a few in the last few weeks. What do you do? Like, I don't think it's safe. If, if I was a fighter, I would not want Herb Dean ref in my fights because it's not safe for me, and it's not safe for my opponent. Yeah, and, and the part that always feels so ridiculous to me with it, and it's there's a few different officials to me that, that kind of fit in that is there are some really great, like Jason Herzog needs more assignments. And look, I, I don't want to constantly be, be taking Jason away from his home and his family. And same with Mark Goddard, who's traveling the world and has plenty on the go. But like when you have people like that to choose otherwise (laughs) just feels a little malicious to me. Like when you, when you could put Jason Herzog in there, you could put Mark Goddard in there. You could put, I think Mark Smith for the, as you said, everybody makes mistakes and Mark has made some mistakes, but oh, I he's think as on bad the whole, oh, but I think on the whole, he know. has some good moments and he can continue to get better. He's young in the game. I, I would, yeah, I would, I would rather see yeah. some of those people get opportunities than constantly just, kind of trading on, you know, having these people that the reputation is there, but the performance hasn't been for a while. It's, it's like in North American sports, we always talk about all-stars where people are get voted into the all-star game on reputation and they were great four years ago. And so there's people still think that they're the greatest. Yeah. Herb Dean isn't the greatest anymore. Absolutely. He had a run there where he was terrific, mm-hmm. but it it's right. long past. Yeah. And so we need to get and and there always needs to be more young officials getting opportunities. And I think the pandemic has screwed up a lot of stuff in this sport in terms of regional events and, and smaller shows not happening as much, which means not as many reps for people. And so we're going to see a lot of the veteran hands continue to be out there, but we need to continue seeing this kind of growth and development where we've seen guys like Jason Herzog lately get promoted to the UFC and get some of these bigger opportunities. And that's what we're going to keep needing because we need to replace, not necessarily replaces and they never work again, but like build the rotation out so that it's not three people we're considering for main events or four people. It's now six or eight that we can pull from. And, and that to me is, is what's missing. Cause that, that tonight with the, with the Delima Rothwell fight was, that was brutal because you just yeah. wonder like if Delima doesn't stop, does the fight just continue? Cause Delima stopped that fight. He literally he did, turned yeah. and looked at Herb, as you said, and was like, you just grabbed me. Do you want me to keep fighting? And Herb was like, I guess not. Yeah, I um, did kind of touch you. <laughs> well, it's yeah, ridiculous. man, like you, you touched him and they, you tell them to fight until I stop you. You mm. stop them. And then you w- kind of wanted to be like, no, nah, no, nah, it's good. Keep fighting. Uh, I, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I, I think, I, I think it's all right. If you're a guy like, Herdeen or whoever you are if it was big john mccarthy or mark goddard right and if you are the best person in the world at doing that job i couldn't care less if you've been doing it for 30 years or if you've been doing it for two years if you're the best person to do the job you should be in it because you know why people's brain cells are are on the line here you know this is not just like a a game of soccer or or you know an american football game where it's a touchdown or a goal or whatever and if if it's a mistake if it's a mistake there's 
a big, big issue or the safety or, of the sport is on the line here. For, we're not screwing up offsides calls. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> Look, I, I just, I really think, I, I, I've said it for a long time, they need to fly in judges, they need to fly in uh, yes. referees. They've started doing it with, uh, with Mark Goddard and, you know, Jason Herzog. I think Keith Peterson is, is fantastic. There, yep. there are probably more go- great referees now than there ever have been, you know. Uh, but Herb certainly is no longer one of them. Um, and look, if he was as good, it, I would have no problem with him still doing it. Fucking 90 years of age, if he was still able to do it better than anyone else right. in the world, absolutely put him in there, have him do every man event. Let the best referee do every man event. I would be right. happy enough to do that. But he no longer can do that job. He really can't. He has proven that over years now. He can't do it anymore. But anyway, um, let's just quickly mention a few more of the fights. It was, it looked, it was a fantastic night of fights. It was, it was, it was one of those ones where... Um, we were talking about it briefly beforehand, and it was like you if you heard about it before and looked at the card, apart from the main event, you'd probably say, right, there isn't that much on this card which has much jeopardy or matters. You look at it afterwards, you just see the the winners. Apart from the main event, obviously, there really isn't that much in this card that happened that actually matters in terms of like rankings of maybe one or two, maybe the Song Yadong fight, maybe a couple. But if you look at the actual fight itself and fight night itself and you watch the fights, it's just a good, enjoyable night of fights. Great night of fights. A fantastic <laughs> night of fights. I couldn't complain about this. Absolutely. And there's been a lot of them recently. You know, there's been a lot yeah. of fun. And, you know, from Bellator to the UFC, and we've cage hires coming up in a few weeks. Been a brilliant time for fights. Nothing but positivity out of me. But, uh, yeah, Felicia Spencer absolutely destroyed Leah Letson, who I thought the, the towel could have come in at one stage. You know, there's a question about that, which I'll get to in the Q&A. But she absolutely destroyed her from pillar to post. Um, Chaos Williams Baeza was a really fucking interesting fight. You know, Baeza almost had a leg lock at one stage, but then Williams was bent the head off him. He, Baeza almost knocked him out before that as well. And then Williams ended up getting the KO in the third after Baeza's corner had told him not to throw multiple leg kicks. He threw two leg kicks and then he got <laughs> K- knocked out by Chaos Williams. And I'm like, well, that's what fucking happens when you don't listen to your corner, which is unfortunate. Like, good corner advice. I'd be like, well, I w- if I went to the coach, I'd be like, give me, give me them boys. But uh, yeah, so good stuff there. Song Yudong got a good win as well. Uh, I got a dick joke on TV screen all over the world as well. How the fuck did I not know? Yudong is up after round one. How, how, how could you not decipher that as a dick joke or else whoever's putting it up is just like ah fuck it let's roll with it <laughs> let's have a bit let's of get at least one yeah. on <laughs> let's get one on oh brilliant um Joel Alvarez this guy I he was plus 210 I gave it my shout out betting show I couldn't believe he was plus 210 I, 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 do you know he was at such a high price that I doubted myself because I watched Joel <laughs> Alvarez he fought Joseph yep. Duffy obviously an Irish guy so I'd have a bit more interest in him I'd watch a few of his fights and I'm like, is, is this guy, am I thinking he's of really, a different he's, guy or something? He's really terrific. He he's really terrific. Brilliant. And good Lord, if he could just make weight. Yeah, he's like missed the last two, is he? He should move up. He's, he's big enough. He's missed the last two. And, and I said it, that was one of the fights that I, so I was sort of popping in and out throughout the day and watching on my phone and sneaking glances when I wasn't being a good uncle. Um, yeah, he's a guy that, could benefit from a making weight. Obviously you need to, you need to hit the mark in order to compete for championships and things like that. And B just be more active. Obviously again, COVID pandemic, visa issues, being a Spaniard, he can't just move freely, but man, if this guy can, this guy can string together, you know, three fights in the next 12 to 15 months, he's probably in the, I mean, he might be in the top 15 after this win because Tiago Moises I believe was just clinging to the bottom of the rankings on the UFC 
in the UFC's rankings, was coming off a main event opportunity against Islam Mahashev. And so this is a big win. This is an important victory for Joel, Joel Alvarez to now win four straight. Like, has looked terrific. Make weight, dude. Be professional. Get that number. 156. Just make it. Fight regularly because he's really good. He's really talented. It's, uh, do you know what? Uh, we, we, I might actually get you back on and book you right now for the, the next uh, state yes. of the UFC because that guy, that guy is someone Love it. who we need to look at on this, the next state of the UFC. We'll <laughs> talk more, more about him there. Uh, so he was one of my bets that I gave. Andrea Lee was another one, plus 110, and she destroyed Cynthia Calvillo. And we, I know it was on the podcast just briefly before you were mentioning Calvillo. How, I th- it was on the podcast, wasn't it? Where you're yeah. like, she, like, she is. She the problem with Calvillo, right, is a problem with that happens with lots of fighters. They come into MMA and everyone says they're the next Ronda Rousey, they're the next Conor McGregor, they're the next. She's Cynthia Calvillo, right? She's a good fighter, but she is not at the level of someone like even an Andrea Lee now. She's a and I think like I still think Cynthia could be. You know, she's fine at 125. I think she needs to go back down to 115 is the first thing, I think, anyway. Because yep. she's she just isn't physically big enough, I don't think, for uh, 125. And I'm not, you know, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's a huge way cut for her to get down there. But uh, So I wouldn't advocate if it was. But I, I just think she has a certain skill set. And she needs to hone that skill set a little bit better. And she has the sort of skill set that I think it'll take a lot of fights to actually hone. Whereas Andrea Lee is a more like... Um, preordained type of fighter in terms of like she's going to go out and do what she knows what she's going to do every time and when you do that and when you're technically good like Andrea Lee is a very technically good fighter that works more often than not against someone like Calvillo who doesn't maybe have all of that experience to beat a person like that is that is that kind of how you saw that fight before and, and during it as well yeah so for me 25 is one of those divisions where I think there are Obviously, we have Valentina Shevchenko, and we're going to do a quick state of state of the division right now. Shevchenko's off on her own, head and shoulders above everybody else. I think Jessica Andrade is clearly the number one contender. And then for me, like two through probably 12, where Andrea Lee was coming into this fight, all kind of feel interchangeable, like depending on the matchup, depending on who's fighting when and, and where they're coming from. I kind of feel like you could just move him around. And that's what I felt going into this. I picked Andrea Lee. So I was happy to see her have a great performance. The thing with Calvillo for me, and, and I said it earlier, is just it feels like she has this reputation from when she came into the UFC and won three fights. And I think about six months looked great. She was part of a promotional push when Body Armor first signed up with the UFC. She was one of the athletes at the UFC kind of tabbed to be a part of that. But every time she's been in there against somebody that is of real substance and of real grit and merit and experience, she stumbled. And it's because she doesn't have that experience. It's because she doesn't have, as you said, sort of the like, you understand what she's going to do. She knows what to do in there. And she has this strong suit that she can play to. She's kind of just a tough, bit like good wrestler, good boxer, can kind of, you know, can, mm-hmm. can kind of hold her own everywhere, 
but doesn't have that one thing she can do that is just going to go out and dominate you. And the other part is, I think she's sneaky older than a lot of people understand. She's 34 years old. It's not Ooh, like she's I didn't this realize young, that. Yeah, Jesus. It's not like she's this young pup. She, I believe she started her MMA career at like 29. And so you see that she only has 14 fights now. Mm-hmm. And most of those have come in the UFC and she started out great, but she's a little older. And so that development isn't necessarily going to be there. And so maybe that best time of her career were those first six fights where she got six terrific victories and it's been kind of rough since, but I think that's just, that's just a function of this sport, right? Mm -hmm. Like the days of being able to get by, by being good everywhere, but not great anywhere are kind of passing. And, and as we saw in that fight, and as you said, with Andrea Lee, who can go out there, who knows her strengths, who plays every single time. And I mean, you go and look at a record too. Like, yep, there's some losses, but they're all to contenders. They're all super close fights. If you wanted to go back and, and relitigate both the fight with Jojo and the fight with Lauren Murphy, I think you absolutely could. Um, and if you flip those, then she's, you know, 15 and 15 and three, which is a well, whole a different story than, yeah. than where she's at now. Right. Like I like, uh, I like how Joanne Calderwood is now called Joanne Wood. But I'm gonna. Yes. I've decided I'm gonna start calling her Joanne Wood, Calder Wood, like <laughs> like fucking double Oz Evan. Like nice. yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that. But anyway, I like it. Uh, let's run through the rest of this card quickly, and then we will talk a little bit about next week's card. Uh, Sean Woodson, I'm a huge fan of his. Another fantastic performance. Hooks to the body. Beautiful finish. If you haven't seen this fight, this is one I would definitely pick out for people to watch out. This guy is really, really good. Courtney Casey got a you know a good win over Georgia. Uh, not the best fight in the world. Rafael Alves, uh, Marci Casey is. Uh, I, my God, I feel so like, bad for Mark Casey. Uh, Jesus, he's right. uh, he looks like, like he's the best fighter in the world. Who uh, he's just not, you know? Yeah, he's just perfect uh, example of a guy that showed a ton and ton and ton of promise, and then kind of just hit a plateau. He, do you know what Mark Casey needs to do? He needs to get out of the UFC and he needs to go somewhere and beat the absolute shit out of it. Don't tell yes. fucking cans. Yes. And I'm not talking about journeyman cans. No, yeah. And then sign for, you know, cage wires or, you know, Bellator or somewhere and work his way back up. Like Mark Casey is a very good fighter. I just feel like he met this kind of downward spiral and it's not gone all all downward, but he's never really been able to stop it, you know? And I, I I always, and this is a great compliment to Mark Casey, and I always say it, but I always uh, compare him to Rafael Dos Anjos. He was a guy who was a good fighter, a better fighter than Casey. Don't get me wrong in terms of his record and everything like that. But at a certain point, because he had that physical base and he had a well-rounded game, he hit a point where things went right for him and he got all the way to a championship. Now, I'm not saying Jacasey can do that, but if things were to go right for Jacasey at some time, he has all, he has the wrestling, he has, he's good jujitsu, he's brilliant strike, he has everything. If it just could turn for him, but I don't know, maybe it never will. You know, maybe it never will. And then uh, in, in the first fight of the night, Da Ung Jun got the win with standing elbows against Kennedy in Juku. I actually didn't see that fight, so I don't know what happened in that one, but we, we will leave it there. Right, next week, um, I, I'm actually going to be previewing this card a little bit for uh, for sure, Dog, as well, so we won't fully get into it, but we will touch on uh, one or two fights. I'm going to ask you about Sean Brady because, you know, he is a guy who I watched some of his fights and he's a fantastic fighter. What do you think of him 
I, I know we talked about this a little before over on Patreon and, and the state of the UFC. What do you think of him as a contender in that division? And obviously he's fight with uh, Michael Chiesa as well. He's one of those guys to me that every every time I try to set a bar for him, every time I try to set kind of what I think, he goes out and does something that I'm like, oh, I was wrong. I need to move that up two or three notches. And that's why I love this fight. Because we know what we know what Michael Chiesa is. We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. And if Sean Brady goes out and does to Michael Chiesa what he did to Jake Matthews, which was completely dominate the fight until he got the finish, then we have to talk about him going into next year as a legitimate title contender. Because the only guy that's beaten Michael Chiesa in this division is Vicente Luque, who caught him in a beautiful choke after Chiesa started the fight looking great. And so he's one of those guys, and I've talked to a couple of people that he trains with. Obviously, we've heard Paul Felder rave about him and what he brings to the table. It's not flashy at all. It's not, you know, he, he wasn't lighting up a ton of really experienced guys on the regional circuit, but he fought on, on that East Coast circuit, CFFC, for most of it where it's just hard-nosed, experienced fighters. It is those journeymen that have been in there with literally everybody. And to beat them shows a certain level. And I think he's just one of those guys that it's, it's, he's never going to overwhelm you. He's never going to get that Sean O'Malley push where everything just pops and it's a great big spotlight. But you're going to look up after next week and be like, holy shit, this guy's 5-0 and in the UFC. And he just ragdolled Michael Chiesa, if that happens, not saying that's what's going to happen. But like, he's one of those guys that you're just going to look up and be like, where, how did, why did we not see this coming? There's a little bit of Usman to him in that regard, right? Yeah. Remember when Kamaru Usman started? That's exactly And it was yeah. just like, I think we, we, like we kind just, of said that in the last set of the UFC. He, he just saw him coming along and it was like, yeah. yeah. And, and the people that you knew, and, and I mean, listen, teammates and coaches are always going to gas up their guys. But there's, there's a certain, I mean, people that have never done it are going to think I'm, I'm a lunatic for saying this, but I hope you agree. There's a certain way that coaches and teammates and fellow athletes yeah. talk about people that they, that they're not just gassing them up, that they're not just blowing smoke where you're like, oh, wait, this is, hang on. And I remember at the very start of Kamaru Usman's career, Rashad Evans being like, listen, <laughs> my, my little brother here is going to be a problem. He is that good. Just stick with him and keep watching. And then he goes through the ultimate fighter and just piece by piece, you're seeing little bits and going, this guy's, this guy's starting to figure something out. Sean Brady's got a little bit of that where it's, this guy is, is figuring it out because you don't beat Court McGee and, and Ismail Nardwev as handily as he beat them in your first two fights. And then due to Jake Matthews, what he did to Jake Matthews. And, and I know Jake has never gotten a ton of shine and maybe never really strung it together or, or developed into the fighter we thought he would be. Yeah. But he's a tough athletic kid. Yeah. And, and he had nothing for Sean Brady. And so oh. I am so excited for this fight next week. And, and I actually think it's a terrific card from top to bottom. It, it feels a little bit like, like today's card. It, yeah I was really good and that like that to me is a standout fight I just like what I watched both of their fights last night a good few of them and 
Sean Brady, you know, Paul Felder wants to call him the brick house. I think he should be called yeah. the, the, the brick shit house. I think he's, he's a, I've yeah. never seen a man with a bigger back in my life. Yes. That man is a fucking animal. And Chiesa, oh, it's got to be a tough matchup for Chiesa, but I can't wait to, to see that. And, you know, on, on the undercard as well, Davy Grant out of Newcastle over in England. He's fighting Adrian Yanez, Hani Yanez on the card. I always love Joanne Calder was on it. Terence McKinney, the Twitter's finest. Terence McKinney as far as the... Um, <laughs> And Nathan Levy, 6-0. Sean Soriano against a lad whose name I, I'm actually not looking forward to pronouncing in that preview show. And there's... there's yeah. it's Look, it's not a fantastic... Yeah. Lupe Godinez is on his own. But at the main event, Michelle Kellen Vera, we will just briefly say it. Kellen Vera is one of those ladies who, when she turns up and when she fights well, she is very good and very strong and yes. long and hits hard. And when she doesn't, she doesn't, kind of, you know. And, and yeah. Misha Tate, she's been gone for a long while. She's back. Looked very physically good, I, I, I think, in her return fight against uh, Marine Renault, uh, more than anything else. Uh, but looked tactically good as well. It's, it's a fight that I think is a very difficult fight for Misha Tate. I haven't looked at the betting odds or anything yet, but Misha Tate has had plenty of difficult fights in her life, and she's won some of them. What, what, what do you think, uh, uh, briefly, about, about this fight? And how, how would you see it going? First, I have full confidence in you nailing Shailan Nerdembeki on, on the preview show. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cut that out. I'm just gonna play it every time. I've just, been just hit play. <laughs> yeah, play. I think, I think your assessment of of the Misha fight is is perfect. Like she looked terrific in that fight coming back, and I think she has done a ton of work over her career to to really improve her hands, to work on kind of all phases. And I think the biggest thing for me in that fight with Marin Renault was the conditioning, like to come back off that long of a layoff and be able to push that pace and be able to grapple and wrestle and, and fight the way she fought. I thought she looked fantastic. Your assessment of Catlin Vieira couldn't be, couldn't be more right. When she is on, she is terrific and she is dangerous. And she's, I mean, she looked like she was going to be a title contender, right? Beats Kat Zingano, unfortunately blows out her knee, comes back and gets lit up by Irina Aldana. I thought she won the fight with Yana Kunitskaya. She thought she won the fight with Yana Kunitskaya, understandably. And so this is this is one of those moments where she needs to rise to the occasion. And I just don't know. It's a fight to me that I I wonder if it comes down to more athleticism than actually yeah. like skill and technique. Like I just think Misha being the better athlete could be the difference here because she's just a little more fluid in every in every area and every phase of this fight. That's very and interesting. I, think, I, I, I like, think that's becoming a big differentiating point for me is just mm-hmm. that she can, she moves just a little bit better and it's a little, it's a little less rigid for, for Misha Tate than it is for Catlin Vieira. Yeah, it's very true. It's funny when you said that, I thought you were talking about Vieira for a second <laughs> because, and I'll tell you why, because Vieira is very fast in certain ways. I suppose you call yes. it like, um, you know, over the first five yards, they used to call it in soccer, you know? Yes. If, you had to, if she had to run, you know, 100 meters against Mijite, she'd probably lose badly. But maybe if she had to run fucking 10 meters, she might win. You know, she's one right. of those. Her, her shots right down the middle are very fast. She's very strong against the cage. Mijite moves much better with her feet and her head and everything like that. Right. So I, I would agree with you that Misha Dead is a better athlete in more ways, but maybe right. in the ways that matter, maybe Catlin Vieira. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's a terrific tough. fight. I, I loved it when they booked it. I loved it when they initially set it for a couple months ago or last month, I think it would have been. 
Um, I think it's the right progression for Misha Tate because, you know, her, her eyes are set on, on getting back to gold. She has made no bones about it. She's back not to just hang out and have some fights and whatever. She, she wants to get that title back. And if you're going to do it, and if she's going to get there, this is the one she needs. This is, this is the progression she has to be on and she has to get through it. And so I'm, I'm super interested in this. I know some people probably aren't. Most people can piss off in my books. Fuck them, Spencer. Fuck them. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Right. <laughs> we will leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Everyone go over and follow him. Was it at East Spencer Kite or is it Spencer Kite? It's Tell just Spencer Kite. Spencer yeah, we, we keep the E out of it so it doesn't make it a weird. So it doesn't make a. So it doesn't make a weird. The E stands for Edgar. Edgar. And named. I am named after my my late paternal grandfather, Edgar Gordon Levy, a wonderful man. Oh, God rest his soul. I um, was uh, I was named by my, my granduncle or something died the day I was born, and my one of my middle they actually gave me two middle names is Cornelius because his name was Cod. So I my, well, that's I we all got them like we all got someone died close to our time. We got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We all we all have one of them. So, uh, but yeah, you're doing fantastic work. And as I said, congratulations on the ten years with uh, UFC.com and all the other great work as well. And I know I lo- like I love when I kind of meet someone like you and start talking to him and start doing podcasts and stuff and Ian and Harry and all the lads it's great it's just great to find someone new and do, find someone doing it the right way because there's a lot of people not doing it the right way and I love uh, <laughs> I love all your stuff and everyone anyone that's listening to this who you think I'm not full of shit go and support Spencer follow him sign up for everything he has read his articles retweet his stuff reply to his stuff please that's that's how people get to you know get to where they get to and that's how people are successful and we make everyone happy and you could be happy too so that's that's my shout out for here and sign up for my patreon as well while you're there. <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks very much spencer i was gonna say s- sign up for sean stuff follow the severe crew you guys yeah. do phenomenal work i appreciate it, it uh i i agree with everything and, and share everything you just said man it, is, it has been a blast this last year and a half doing a bunch of these shows and I look forward to doing some more and Beautiful. we've got a, we've got a no UFC week coming up. Oh, so maybe a good week to do a, yeah. to do a state of the UFC. Do, we'll have do to we have a no U- when's the no UFC week. Is that, so we've got a fight. So next Saturday there's an event and then yeah. there's, there's a Saturday off, but there's Bellator. Oh, there's no Bellator. There's no Bellator or the UFC in two weeks. There you go. Oh, what the fuck am I going to do for sure, dog? Anyway, I better, <laughs> I better start coming up with something. Right. Spencer, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see, we have no inspirational quote because Graham's not here this week. But uh, mind yourselves and mind each other. Good luck. <laughs>